All right. Like my heart rate has been up since about 6 a.m. today. So we'll see what happens this morning. Um, this is our new podium. Lord willing, the sermons will be better, right? Um, all right. I love good stories. I mean, I love the kind of stories that, um, the kind of stories that have enough intrigue and enough uncertainty that they like, they, they hold you. They, they kind of they drag you along. They, they pull you towards that kind of emotion that makes you say, I want to know what's going to unfold here. And whether that's because you're just not sure what's going to happen to the, to the hero or to the heroine, you're just not sure what's going to happen to this person. So whether that you're, you're wondering, okay, is the ring going to be thrown into the fire of Mordor? Like, will Voldemort be defeated? Will, and, and this is a real thing, will he make it back to the future? <laughs> Three times we weren't sure. I think there's four. Or maybe, or maybe for the children in the room, it's the kind of story where, where a sister is willing to not let her sister go because she has kind of destructively started to let it go, let it go. My children have asked me never to sing from the pulpit and I will do it nonetheless. Um, I love good stories. I actually think that the best kind of stories are the stories that have, that have redemption woven into the center of them, that have, that have this, this arc or this, right at, the, right at the middle there's this picture of something being rescued, something being refreshed, something being renewed. Those are my favorite kind of stories. Stories like, like Les Mis. One of the reasons why I love that, whether it's the musical or, or, or the movie or the book, Count of Monte Cristo, um, my favorite, Goodwill Hunting, or, or uh, The Family Man. I know you're going like, that stars Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Are you sure? The answer is yes, because there's redemption woven smack dab in the middle of it. And so it's, it's a powerful story. It's because of that that I think God tells the best stories. He tells the best stories. He writes the best stories. And I don't mean the kind of stories that always go the way we think they're going to go. Maybe the way that most of us wish they would go. He tends to write stories with, with a level of, of mystery and, and plot turns that are, that are just totally unexpected. There's these uh, seemingly unnecessary trials at times or, or these long periods of uncertainty or, or just plain old silence. He regularly uses these poorly qualified and unlikely characters and, and he does amazing things with them. Sometimes the plot unfolds quickly and sometimes it seems to, to just to drag, to stagnate or just to meander off course. Sometimes God seems to rescue from, sometimes he seems to rescue through and sometimes it just doesn't seem like he's gonna rescue. Well, the Bible is just riddled with these kinds of stories of God and of his people, people building an ark on dry land looking like crazy person, people 100 years old expecting to have a child, a, a massive army being defeated by a bunch of guys with clay, 300 guys with, 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 with clay jars and torches on the top of a hill, a giant being taken down by a teenager. God writes those kinds of stories over and over Again, as we were in Acts, we spent our time realizing that there were folks that are walking out of prisons in the middle of the night, untouched, unseen, unknown. And then, and then maybe, maybe surprising, maybe most surprising, you have, 
You have the chief prosecutor, the chief persecutor becoming the most prominent preacher. God writes strange stories, beautiful stories, the best stories, but they're not the way we think they should be written, what we would expect. And I, I think Exodus is maybe one of the most obvious, the, uh, the grandest, the most movie made of all the stories. After 400 years of silence, God seems to be doing nothing for the children of Israel who are enslaved in Egypt. And after 400 years of silence, God appears through Moses and delivers his people. He, he shows up and he, he declares to them and he invites Moses through miracles to, to do the un, unthinkable that the most powerful government, the most powerful army, the most powerful nation in the world releasing its slaves for nothing. God writes the best stories. What's wild about that story is that it comes to an end or so it would seem with hooray. They're free. God, God leads them out and then he leads them to a cul-de-sac. I, I mean, you could almost say he leads them to an ambush. On one side... They've got the mountains. On the other side, they've got the Red Sea. And ahead of them, they have this angry Egyptian army that's decided, never mind, we're going to take you back. God is up to something. He's doing something. But this seems like a very strange turn of events, seemingly unnecessary turn of events. Loved ones, God purposes rescue. He writes and allows circumstances in our lives and the lives of his people because he's got an entirely different narrative arc in mind. He's doing something and oftentimes we can't see it. And sometimes he leads people, his people, right to the edge. I mean right to the edge, right into the cul-de-sac, a dead end per se, and it seems like all is going to be lost. It seems unnecessary, but he's doing something. Because he wants there to be no doubt. He wants there to be no doubt that, just like Psalm 136 says, that it's by his mighty hand, by his strong arm, that deliverance comes. And there will be no doubt. And if you know the story, there is no doubt. God does rescue. He, he makes a way. He makes a way through the sea. Through the sea. Not through the army, not over the mountains. Through the sea. I would call that option number three. <laughs> he rescues his people through the sea. And there is no doubt that as he rescues them and brings them on dry ground to the other side and he leads them towards the promised land which he's been promising to them, to his kingdom, that this story is about him. There is no doubt about that. If you keep reading the Bible, it gets a little messy after that, so we'll pause right there with that story. But that's, that's just the kind of story that we've been in, that this church has been in. It was um, 
nine months to the day. On February, 2, February 11th, I stood up at Henry Springs and said, unbeknownst to us, as a bit of a surprise, it appears that we're no longer going to be able to continue to worship at Henry Springs. That was unexpected for sure. Nine months to the day today. I didn't know what God was writing in that story. I did not like that moment much. All I knew is that because it's not real easy to move 300 plus people just anywhere around the city, that we were in trouble. We were in trouble. You guys remember that day? You guys remember that day? Several of you came up and said, so what are we going to do? <laughs> and I said, I, I found out on Tuesday. I don't have a plan yet. <laughs> Honestly, I felt pinned. I felt pinned because on one side, we had a, a, we're in the middle of a two-and-a-half-year lease on an office complex area right across the parking lot here. And if we were going to have to find another space, there was, frankly, just no way that we could continue renting that and rent a space that would fit our church. So we were pinned on this side. And on top of that, there were no other schools in the area that were willing or interested or available to be able to host a church. So we were pinned on this side. And heading towards us was this unstoppable timeline. You have six months. I'm sure the children of Israel were more nervous. <laughs> I will grant it. <laughs> we were going to survive. But I didn't know how, and the elders didn't know how, and you didn't know how. Six months, that timeline came quickly, and so what did we do? We did the only thing we could do. We stopped and, and we just prayed. I said, God, you're going to have to show us favor. You're going to have to open up a way in a direction that we cannot see at all right now. And I mean, doesn't exist apparently as far as we can see. And then the water started parting. And I mean, inch by inch, we found out first that the tenant who occupied the space where you're sitting right now was going to be not renewing their lease and leaving and vacating on, on May 1st. Wow, that, that's a pretty big deal. And actually, the space adjacent to us, which was vacant, it had been vacant for a year where the kids' wing is, was still vacant. And, and believe it or not, if you take this space and you take that space and you tear out the wall in the middle, like a church can fit here. On top of that, the landlord is the same landlord. So, so they're willing to say, hey, listen, if you take over a larger space, Business 101, we'll let you out of your current space. They're very, very generous in this way. <clears throat> and so now that fell aside. One of the amazing things that surprised me was that um, those things happened and it was like, okay, okay, but what about the timeline? If one side got open and the other side's open, but what about the timeline? Six months is ridiculous. We talked to a couple contractors and, and they were like, something about smoking things. It was not good. Um, <laughs> it wasn't going to be possible. And so what we did, once again, 
we prayed and we asked for favor. Now, we, we had taken some intense and personal and purposeful measures at Hembry Springs to take our footprint and make it as tiny as possible, kind of reduce the pain pieces. And then we went to meet with the principal and we asked for three extra months. We said, would you let us be here till November 1st? That was kind of the magic date, November 1, November 1. Have we said November 1 a couple times? November 1. And just like Nehemiah in front of Artaxerxes, she said, you got it. You can stay. And actually, if you need to stay even a little bit longer, we can make that happen too. In three weeks' time, we went from having no way and no out to a path carved clearly through the water. And then God invited us in. He invited us to take steps of faith to move towards him. God had pushed back the waters and now he wanted us to be a part of the story. I'll never forget the moment in our, um, our first ever member meeting where um, I'd kind of laid out for you, if you remember, here's the plan, here's kind of the process. I think I'd shown you the, a, a potential initial drawing. And then I said the words, $900,000. Now, if you were there, you remember what happened next? Collective gasp. <laughs> exactly. Wait, this little ragtag bunch? $900,000 on, on top of, of course, just normal operating things. Yeah, that? Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, it, it, and more than half of it has to be in within the first six months? Of course. I don't know that this is possible or realistic. And, and I gotta be honest, I remember sitting there and, and thinking through this, and I remember the words coming out of my mouth just looking at your faces, and I was going like, I wish I would, I would love to say, you know what, my faith was unshakable. Like I was unwavering. The Lord is coming through for us, and I know it. No, I was with you. Like, I don't know how. This seems ridiculous. It seems impossible. In one year, how in the world? God, you're asking too much. There's just no way. Hold on, but this is the only thing that helped me, and this is the thing that I know as an elder board we rehearsed multiple times, was that God had done some ridiculous things in three weeks. And so maybe he could do some impossible things in the weeks to come. And so that's what we did. We took some steps of faith forward. We got together, we started looking for three weeks in April, focusing on, okay, let's imagine that God has a future for us that's, that's intentional and purposeful, that, that he's been purposing something for us and that somewhere in that purpose there is a rescue for us that we're just beginning to see. We focused on that future and then on April 29th, we made financial commitments. Honestly, I never thought I would be leading a church through a capital campaign. And we had a month and a half to plan, so that was helpful. But there we were. And on the 29th, we made commitments together. And, and with those commitments, what we did is we also had this map rendering, and we invited everyone to come and write their names on it. Y'all remember that? 
One of the reasons why we wanted to have the kids in here today is because they were in here on that day. If you're a kid and you were in the room and you went and signed your name with your parents up on the board, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you went up with your parents. I guess small hands. <laughs> I see you. I see you in the back. Yes. Well done. That was a special day for us. Do you remember where you signed? <laughs> I'm glad. That was one of those days where faith and hope and commitment were being written on a piece of paper of a drawing of a place that didn't exist yet. That's what faith is, right? Things unseen. And that's what we moved into. That Sunday afternoon of Commitment Sunday, um, Becky and I were driving out of town. I wasn't fleeing. <laughs> we, uh, we, had, we had plans to be out of town, and so we're, we're driving. <laughs> We're driving, and uh, I may have told our accountant, as soon as you know anything, you call me. So we're in the car, and she, the phone rings. And Becky and I were talking, so I put her on mute. Um, no, I, but immediately, I was like, tell me wh wh what's happening. And she's like, Matt, looks like we're in the 800 and maybe 70s. We ended up being over $876,000. Like the impossible happened. I mean, I, I, was, I was so blown away, I, 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 I couldn't contain myself. I was overwhelmed, I was stunned. I had this like perma grin on my face for the next four hours. I just found myself like repeat dialing like the different elders going like, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. Because God just did the impossible. I mean, he had carved a way, but, but then he made a way. Do you know what, why it happened? I've thought about this a lot. What had happened on the 29th and leading up to the 29th. What I believe happened is that we simply found ourselves living out of the reality of what God has been doing in us and with us. The way he's been, the way he's been meeting us and, and changing us and, and growing us, making us more like himself. What happened is that on that Sunday and every month since, we've demonstrated in action the inextricable tie between recognizing that my stuff doesn't belong to me but actually belongs to him and letting it go for his purposes, to follow his way because we love him and want his things above all. Oh, not perfectly, don't worry. No halos here. But that's what happened I want to remind you that we had some people helping us guide this process, and, and they were like, here's how it works, and it's going to be this, real, this bell curve. You're going to have the few tiny little people make all the contributions. That's not this church. We don't have big contribution people. We have very generous people, but we had this, the middle. Everyone chose. Everyone chose. 
God did amazing things. What happened on the 29th is that we echoed together the fundamental biblical principle that when we give our money, we're giving ourselves. And we're giving ourselves to him. And that when you gave your money, you gave yourself. And that in that, we begin to mirror, to resemble, to smell like, and to become more like Jesus. And, th and that's what we're about here. Looking and smelling and reflect reflecting him more and more and more. What happened when you turned in your, com your uh, commitment card on the 29th was not, hey, Matt, here you go. Now make Muller Purcell build us a building. It was, that's not what happened. What happened was, this is a declaration that I belong to him. That, that my life belongs to him and therefore my things belong to him. And this gift is just, it's just a reflection of that reality. That's why I was so blown away by all the ways, all the creative ways. There are stories that I wish I could tell you of people and how they chose and things they chose, the things that they sacrificed. There are people I talked to and I just broke down in tears. Man, I wish I could share so many stories. But you, um, you forfeited things. You're still doing so right now. You pulled money out of your savings. Some of you sold a bunch of stock. Some of you pulled from your retirement, your future retirement. Some of you took your entire... Um, your entire tax return gave it. Some of you already pledged your committed bonus for the, week, for the end of the year. Some of you took the raise you just received and gave all of that for the next year. And kids who, didn't, who decided not, not to have, um, not have allowances for a year. You chose. You delayed. You give it up. And on the 29th, I get that phone call. Let me be clear. God has made this place possible. There's no doubt. There is no second. But he did it with you. He did it through you. He did it because you listened to him and you, and you cared about the kingdom that he's building in our midst, ragtag bunch that we are, and about each other, about the fact that you wanted to be a part of some kind of building movement, change, transformation with each other. That's what happened on that day. Oh, God did it, but he used you. And I am so proud of this church. I am so humbled that, that that's the orientation, that that's the direction of your hearts. Feels like something incredibly powerful to steward. God's gonna do good, meaningful, deep, transformative things with it what he does your generosity didn't stop there after April had passed we banded together and we started offering physical help I think overall I think I've counted almost 120 of you have offered free labor of some sort you were here during demo days he chose to build out, to prepare. He tore down walls, tore up carpet. You salvaged ceiling tiles, which you'll see in the children's wing. You dismantled warehouse racks. You filled multiple dumpsters. You moved furniture, painted walls, 
sanded tables, cleaned cabinets, installed whiteboards, built climbing walls, set up classrooms. And some of you even tightened the screws on the chairs that you're sitting in right now. That's what it means when we give ourselves away and we give ourselves to one another. It manifests itself with our checking account, our banking account, and it manifests itself with our hearts and with our hands and with the smiles and the willingness to offer and to choose. That's who's here. It's about a month, month ago, we were nearing the end of the build-out and we, we carved out an evening together we had to come and, and dedicate this place to the Lord. It was a special night. God has given us a place, and what we were doing on that night is we were taking this place and we were placing it back in his hands. What we were wanting to do on that night was to, to seek to orient our hearts away from, I mean, from the beginning, away from any kind of possessiveness, any kind of like, this is ours and it's for us, and it's for us only, any kind of holding tight, any kind of defining ourselves by our place instead of defining ourselves by the one who has made a place. This place belonged to him, and so we wanted to make sure that that was the first thing that was declared in this room, in this building. And honestly, I was not prepared for how meaningful that night would be. Seeing many of you in, in this room, echo chamber as it was, Seeing great is thy faithfulness. I had no idea. Seeing families and individuals on their knees writing scriptures and, and prayers and the names of people that are significant to them, including their own children in classrooms. It was beautiful. Really moving. And some of you wrote beautiful words. I got to kind of walk around, took some pictures. You wrote really beautiful words or some really powerful scriptures were written down. But I think... The thing that stood out to me, and maybe this just says something about me, is on the night right before we left, we'd been hanging out in the middle of the lobby and I'd been walking around looking at different things and I, I came across um, an inscription on the ground. Now from the penmanship I could tell, and the spelling, I could tell that it was, um, it was from a wee little hand. Um, maybe, maybe from one of you. And um, it read, The Lord, L-O-D, is awesome. O-A-W-S-U-M-E. But that's it, isn't it? The Lord is awesome. I think that captured it for me because that's the essence of what we wanted to be true that night. That's the essence of what we want to be coming off of this stage, what we want to be reverberating in your hearts is that the Lord is awesome. And we're bad spelling, crippling, shivering hands, little kids in the front of him, but he is awesome. And he receives it. And under this carpet and under that LVT out there are prayers that we're asking him to, to bring to life in you, in me, in us, and the people that aren't in this room yet. I believe that's what he wants to be about. And just in case we weren't seeing clearly that the Lord is indeed awesome, we got our CO, our Certificate of Occupancy, a.k.a. the keys to the car, 
on the 30th of October. Now, if you remember, November 1 was the magical date. As we got the CO, it's technically dated on the 31st, but we got it on the 30th, just saying. Right? Um, it felt like God was just winking. You know those times where you feel like God's just showing off a little bit just because he can? That's, that's, that's what it felt like. Yeah, I know you've been saying November 1, and I know you had all the delays up front, and you came and you said to the people, were you there? I said, hey, guys, if over the next three months nothing goes wrong, we'll be in on November 1. And all the project managers were like, you're a liar. That's not going to happen. And there we were on October 30th with the keys to the building. Because God's faithful. He's kind. The second would have been just fine too. But he gave it to us on the 30th. <laughs> when, we, when we got that CO, my first thought was Nehemiah chapter 6. So the wall was finished in 52 days. And what was obvious to all that saw it was that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Like Moses, when he got on the other side of the Red Sea, he broke into song. He prays, and this is what he declared, and I think this is our declaration. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength, by your strength to your holy abode. Which brings us to today, to this morning. Today, we begin an exciting new chapter in the life of our church. This place is great. Oh, there's kinks, there's things we gotta work out, but this place is beautiful. God has prepared a place for us and we're getting to enjoy it even this morning. This place is great. But I do wanna remind you that though, though we've changed locations, we don't have any flags anymore. <laughs> when you spill your coffee, it's gonna make a stain. <laughs> Just kidding, it will. What we're about, who we are, has not changed. We're going to continue to be about glorifying God by pursuing gospel transformation through Jesus Christ. We're going to invite you to worship together, to give yourself, to engage in committed communities so that you'll become more and more like him. We're going to continue to be the kind of people who live on mission everywhere God calls us to and everywhere he places us to the glory of his name. That's what we're going to continue to be because that's who we are. That doesn't change. That's not a location thing. That's not a flag thing. That's not a coffee stain thing. That remains. That's a God thing. That's the story he's writing with us. And our vision, it extends into this new space. It is not the vision. It extends into this new space. And that's for everyone who walks through these doors. And I don't care where they are or where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't care what race, what, what class, 
don't care where you are. We want to invite you. We want to point you towards Jesus. That's, that's why we exist. Towards the fact that there is no better and no stronger and no more powerful hope than him. And, and that's where we want to have all the momentum of who we are leaning and leading. That we'd be the kind of people who who tell the beautiful and powerful story of Christ to everyone that walks through these doors. That means that our classrooms are, are little incubators of gospel change. That's, that's for toddlers and fourth graders. At the gathering space out front is a, is a space for, yes, our community to gather, but also to make friends with local neighboring businesses and, and organizations. We want this space to be a vehicle for our mission, an extension of who we are to one another. We want this place on a Sunday morning to be the place that stirs you up, that refreshes you, that, that brings healing to your soul. You're gonna need it. We want this place to remind you, to refresh you, to be the kind of place that receives all and invites them into the kind of community where, where belonging is, is the norm. It's not the privilege of a few. On this day, we're, we're not celebrating an arrival. Like we haven't landed. We haven't, this isn't destination. It, we haven't moved, period. Like we're, we're moving. Like loved ones, we're, we're just getting going. So today is exciting, and today is such a fun day and such a great celebration of what God has led us to, but, but we're just getting going. God is just beginning. Oh, he's been at work in you, I know, I know. But he's just getting going with us. And he has so much more. And ironically, I think that's one of the natural applications of that this being the beginning, a new, fresh beginning, is that this is a perfect time for you to actually talk to the people that you've been connected to, the people you've been meaning to invite, that you've been cultivating a relationship with for a while, the people who are across the street or, or down the hall at work. Those, those, this is the moment to be like, hey, we have a cool brick wall. You should come see it. <laughs> but take a risk. Now, I don't know that it's going to get a whole lot easier Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Well, believe it or not, our church is all grown up. I have a new space. It was awesome. Love you to come along. You want to come? Maybe next week? That's what it means for a space to be used for the kingdom. So, why am I telling you this story again? For most of you, you lived it. You walked along the way, you gave, you nearly killed yourself with a hammer during demo, you know. Well, one of the things that we see in the Old Testament, and, and what's ironic is particularly with the story of leaving Egypt and crossing the Red Sea, they tell it over and over and over again. And what's fascinating is that it's told in times of celebration, kind of the like, hey, it's awesome now, kind of like back then when God was incredible and rescued us there. He's rescuing us again. Isn't that incredible? And then you know what else it's told? It's told when things are not going well, and the reality is that rescue is needed today. 
And so one of the reasons I'm telling you this story is that some of you are sitting in this room and you're living February 11th, not November 11th. And you need to remind, be reminded that, that God writes good stories. That he's writing good stories in you and for you. And you don't understand it. I'm sure you don't, and I probably don't either. But I know this, that he's not done. That he's up to something. He's doing something with you and for you. He wants to do things in you. And so let the story of what God has unfolded here and the many stories in the scriptures and the ones you share with one another be the catalyst to invite each other towards life, to remind each other that God is doing something. He's doing something. And you know what he promised? This I know. He says, I'll never leave you. So that's the thing that was sure all along. Whether it was crossing the Red Sea, the Lord was always there. That's what Jesus said. Everywhere you go, I'll be with you. That you can count on. And so, that means from us for this day forward, he, he's with us. And I have a feeling that it's not going to be all happy coming forward. That's not how life is. I have a feeling we're going to experience joys and celebrations, and, and we're going to be able to praise him in those too. But this I know, he's with us. He's not done with us. And we're just getting going and he tells the best stories. Loved ones, God tells the best stories. But ultimately, through these stories, he's just telling one big story. And, and it's a story about redemption to a world that needed redemption. A humankind, we, who found ourselves truly trapped trapped with the mountains of shame and guilt on one side and an ocean of sin on the other one and certain death coming straight at us. Rejection from God because of it. We could not stop it. And so what God did is because he writes the best stories, he wrote himself into the narrative. And it changed everything. Changed everything for you and for me so that when, when things go well and things don't go well, we have one who has written himself in, who came to be with. Every week we take communion and we're reminded through these elements that it's Christ who saves us. It's Christ who saves you. And I don't just mean back there, I mean today. It's Christ who rescues you. And what he has done and what he will continue to do is to carve paths where you would never imagine them being. He carved an unshakable and unbreakable path to you between you and the Father through his body and blood. And that's what we're gonna do now is we're gonna celebrate that ultimate, that penultimate rescue that we must remember every Sunday that we must remember every time we gather to the praise of his glory. Let me pray. Father, you are good and you write good stories for us, in us. And Lord, we wanna, we wanna trust you when we don't understand and we wanna praise you when we see your hand. And so Father, today, is a day of great celebration. And so we're gonna, we're gonna take these elements with gratitude and with remembering. There is really good news for us. And we celebrate that above all things today.
through these elements, glorify yourself in our midst in this place today and all the days to come, we pray in Christ. Amen. Well, if you belong to Jesus, these, this meal, it's, it's for you. And so we invite you to come forward and to receive the body of Christ broken and his blood shed for you. Come.